Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. So, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, really good, mate. It's uh, It's been a nice little break, hasn't it, from fantasy football? Yeah, it has. We've um, we've had a break of all of the games, which is nice. Obviously, no international games, I don't think. Uh, you, you will know more than me if there are any wild, really international <laughs> fantasy games to be playing. But it's just nice to not have anything to distract. I think the football felt endless with um with having the pushback Euros to 2021 and then the World Cup in the middle of the year, the season finishing late. So it, usually I dread the summer when it comes to no football, but I've actually really, really liked it this year. How have you found it? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I am usually one to constantly want fantasy footballs but I think it's it, it has been a nice change, um, to be honest. So I have kind of enjoyed the last couple of weeks, the last few weeks, um, in terms of a break and, and, and kind of just just kind of resting up and, and you know, making sure that we're sharp, ready for the new season because you can get you can go oh you can overdo it, can't you, with fantasy football that you, you kind of hit a wall after a little bit, don't you? Well you say that, but I've seen people already cooking up drafts for next year's FPL, <laughs> making up their own prices. As soon as the fixtures come out, it's utter madness. Have a have a day off, lads and lasses. Have a day off. Not that I've actually I don't think I've seen too many lasses do it. They've got some common sense clearly. Um, but some of my group chats are wild with drafts at the minute, and I just don't understand how you can make up prices and be that invested when you don't know who's actually even going to be at the clubs yet. Yeah. Make drafts, and who knows? Who knows who's going to sign who? So it, just enjoy enjoy the time off, spend some time with your families. Hundred percent. So now that we've got that out of the way, I just want to start by saying um, welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Lewis, um, also known as at FPL Reaction on Twitter, and I'm joined by Daniel, who is known as at UCL Fantasy Podcast. Myself and Daniel will be discussing transfers and gossip 
from Chomis League teams and, and how it could affect the team and the players as UCL fantasy assets. Now, we didn't really get a catch-up, did we, um, in the, on the finals on match day 13 of the previous season, Daniel? So I just wanted to see, you know, just a briefly, obviously, how, if you were happy with Rank and how your season went and stuff. Um, I was disappointed with how my season went. It was defined by, I'd say, by two major moments, and that was as we've discussed in the, I think, the final episode. Yeah. Uh, not even owning captain for 25 points, but I would have captained him, so that's 15 points. Uh, 50 points, sorry. Um, and on one of the weeks, my phone died while I was at football. Normally, I do the changes then, and I had quadruple in a defence getting a clean sheet, and two of them were on the bench, and one of them was going to be my captain. So that was a lot of points there in the 20s. So you had them up together. Yeah, um, I've just I've just dropped about seven. We'll, we'll say obviously I did play some players, so I think I dropped about seventy points just off those two incident uh, incidents. I'm just actually having a look for my rank now, but um, it wasn't it wasn't great. I think it's the first time I've ever finished outside the top ten k. Mm. So yeah, it wasn't wasn't the best season. Just trying to find here we go fantasy football. I finished uh, 12K, 12,373. So it's still not like terrible, but it's just yeah high standards. First awesome. time I've yeah. had the top 10K. So it's a, that's frustrating. But there are more and more players. There's over 2 million players to the game now. And I'd say probably about, I'd say about a million of them, a million of them were engaged. If you look yeah. at... If you look at which players were in dead teams, it looks like about a million players were engaged right until the final. So it's one of them where actually having a 50% of the overall pool of players still playing is really quite high. Yeah. If you look at if you look at FPL, the, the, people can tell themselves there's all the like that there's 13 million players or whatever. There's there's about three million active teams, I think. So overall, you weren't happy with your season and you're probably going to bounce back from it, right? Fingers crossed, yeah. Hopefully, again, the spaces will help. I, I'm actually very surprised I finished where I did, given those two mistakes. So, yeah. I, I suppose people would call that variance. I mean, Harlan yeah. for five goals. Oh, my goodness me. Ridiculous. But, yeah, I know. And that's what I'm meant to do about that. So, I think um, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I think I would have had, I would have been so much higher. Like a really good rank, if even if I had my phone charged, so I could make those in Milan changes from a subs bench, I would have probably been in the top ten k. So it's it's okay. I'm certainly not going to panic. It's a free game, and I just enjoy playing it. Hundred percent. And uh, myself was, was I think it was around two hundred seventy third that or two hundred seventy eighth that I finished. So another top five hundred uh, finished there. So yeah, just looking forward to another season. I suppose obviously we've got plenty of time until the new season begins. Um, we've got a few months away, but these kind of mini podcasts that me and Daniel will be doing are to kind of keep up with 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 stuff. So we're not 
you know, just catching up right at the beginning of all the transfers. So me and Daniel have decided to do a couple of podcasts based on transfers and gossips moving forward. This is the last time you will be able to access um, the podcast via a space. So me and Daniel will be recording them via Zoom and, and will and so will go up on, you know, the likes of Spotify and Apple Podcast, of which that we will we will share them. Um, when they come out. So, I mean, we better start with one of the the busier teams during the transfer window so far, Daniel, and that is Real Madrid. What did you think of them in the Champions League last season? Did you did you feel like they needed more? Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I fe- definitely felt like they needed a left-back. That's an area of concern. Camavinga's just not naturally a left-back. I actually think he did all right. Um in the first leg against Man City there, which was which was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Obviously, leg spoke for itself, although I think you could have been playing prime Roberto Carlos there and he would have had a hard time. So I definitely think left-back's still a concern for them. But having Jude Bellingham come in, I mean, Bellingham, Chouameni and Kamavinga is a world-class midfield in five or six years, isn't it? And that's something... Yeah. They're going to have that for 10, 15 years with the age of all three of those players. That's frightening moving forward. I've heard... Um, we will we will kind of touch upon kind of specific um, transfers as we progress. But obviously, I think one of the biggest things we should start with is obviously Karim Benzema. What do you think? What do you make of the transfer? Because you know, you, some could argue he's still at top level, at Champions League level. What do you? What firstly? What do you make of him deciding to move? Um, I think we can take the the human out of footballers sometimes. Real Madrid, or in Madrid in particular, looks like it would be a very very difficult place to live with all the spotlight, all the pressure. We've seen it break many a player over the years and I think Karim's going to go out as a hero as a, there was a I remember a time when they were booing him uh, Ronaldo even gave him a penalty once and he missed it and he had to go over Ronaldo had to go over to the crowd and tell them all to be quiet I remember that so there was a couple of year period where it looked like maybe he was on the out but he facilitated Cristiano Ronaldo so well and he built up his confidence, kept going with the quality that he's got. I still think personally he's world class. I still think he can play for Real Madrid. I think he could play for any team in the world, comfortably, Karim Benzema. But I just think sometimes when you've won it all, lots of pressure, what else is that to win? Mentally, he could be fatigued. He's going to, I, I, I believe he follows Islam, and he's going to the home of Islam. So... There could be there could be something in that as well, and obviously he's going for a disgraceful amount of money, and who knows what he wants to do with that money? I know that some um, some of the players that are getting linked to the Saudi league are thinking of buying, like Koulibaly's thinking of buying a like a hospital or something similar for his mm. village, and you're thinking, well, yeah, if he can do things like that with the sort of money that they're offering, uh, I understand. I'd personally prefer him to still be playing in Europe. I really enjoy watching them. But I think it's, we've got to consider the, the human behind the player. Yeah, for sure. So a couple of details around the Benzema um, deal. He has actually joined Al Itihad, 
part of, obviously, you've already mentioned the Saudi League. He'll be there until 2025. So, not a long contract. Um, in terms of what he has done for Real Madrid in La Liga, his 18-19 season, he ended up with 21 goals. 19-20 was 21 goals. 20-21 20 was 23 goals. 27 goals in 21 21- 22 and 22 23 got 19 goals so he's he's maintained a high level of performance for quite a long time hasn't he we've we've also seen that in the champions league as well especially last season so i mean how big we'll obviously touch upon who is going to try and replace him shortly but i mean how big of a loss is that from like a real madrid perspective not champions league fantasy just yet but from a real madrid perspective it's huge. I'm not too sure how replaceable he is. You're looking at players like Harry Kane. Um, I'd be surprised if they maybe didn't go for you know Aussie men or someone like that as well. But it, to be fair, Aussie men doesn't really fit the profile. They're like an out-and-out number nine that can link play, be physical in the box, but is also a clinical finisher in those moments. I mean, Benzema did so much to get them to the Champions League final uh, the last time they won it, the season before last. I, I think he's he's in that category of irreplaceable, un- unless you literally buy Harry Kane, which I can't really see Real Madrid doing after buying um, Bellingham for so much money and their replacement. Um, so I think that's going to be a struggle, but you back the manager to make the right changes in the right places I think he's already mentioned that he's going to be playing Bellingham as a 10. And that's not something that Real Madrid normally do. They normally play with a flat, like not quite a flat midfield three. They do normally have like a six in there. I think they're going to be playing with a double pivot in Bellingham right in behind to help support. So I think the way that we have to look at it, it's not just, you know, Benzema's out and Hosselu's in. I think it's you're looking at Hosselu's going to try and facilitate Vinicius Jr., Rodrigo or Valverde, whoever's playing on the right-hand side, um, and then Bellingham in behind. I think that's probably the cool. way to look at it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have a look at Bellingham shortly. But in terms of Champions League fancy, what, what does Benzema not playing for Real Madrid mean now um, to you? It means that other players are going to get more points. I think uh, in terms of... It's hard actually because Benzema, Benzema's integral to to the build up player, but as I mentioned, they never really had a number ten. So I think Jude Bellingham playing in that position is he's going to be basically getting a lot more returns because we know that he's got an eye for goal anyway. But I imagine he's going to be the one that's going to be playing the ball through into the right winger and Vinicius on the left. So I think Bellingham is going to be, in terms of fantasy, I know that you want to talk about him later, but it's just <laughs> it's really difficult to. Um, and then yeah. I think it's going to be a question of can Vin- Vinicius Jr. step up. Will Rodrigo play through the middle at times? Perhaps. Maybe him and Hosselu will be rotating. Uh, but I still think for those group stages, depending on who Real Madrid get, Hosselu's not a bad striker at all. So... Yeah, he could be, a, depending on his price, if he's cheap enough, he could be a, maybe a nice little differential for that third striker spot. 
Again, it yeah. depends on how much he is. You don't want to be paying any more than like eight million for him, really, eight and a half million. Knowing yeah. the game, the game normally prices people up fairly. So I reckon you'll get about nine, but never mind. It is going to be interesting without Benzema, isn't it? Because we've seen so many t- we've we've as a as as two Champions League fantasy managers. We kind of always, not always, but most of the time, owned Benzema. So he, he took up quite a large chunk of budget, didn't he? Do you think kind of we, the players are going to be looking elsewhere in other teams? Or do you think people are going to kind of try and find a focal point in the Real Madrid attack? I think people will likely go elsewhere. I think they'll do what they did with Bayern Munich this year. They didn't yeah. go for triple morting. They went for... It was Musiala, Coleman, Sane, Omane. Picked two out of four of them, basically. That's what people did. And I think it's going to be the same. I can see a Vinicius Jr., Jude Bellingham double up being massive. Vinny probably being 11 million and Jude being 10. I can see that double up happening quite a lot. But also, if you didn't have Benzema and maybe you didn't want to go down that route, then there are other sacrifices that players have made this year that were a bit foolish. Um, not for you. I don't think you made this particular mistake, but lots of people didn't have Salah because of his league form. So Benzema to Salah is really easy. Then you can have uh, the equivalent of a Ferran Yutkala up front, you know, someone like that, or Gonzalo Ramos from the season before last, you know, one of those uh, budget strikers that's going to play week in, week out for a pot three, pot four team that's been undervalued. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we haven't actually got Mohamed Salah in the Champions League this season either. True, true. And we've lost, I mean, we've lost two quite pricey premiums, right? Yeah, but we've gained Miguel Almiron, so it's okay, mate. Ah, uh, well, there you go. We will talk about Newcastle. <laughs> so, just a bit more on Yoselu. Interesting deal, isn't it? 33-year-old striker from Espanyol. He's on loan until 2024. 500k fee. Couple of notes um, on on Yoselu. He's been one of the best strikers in Spain recently. He scored ten goals in each of the last four seasons, ten at least in the last four seasons. He can use both feet, long range shooting. He's got good defensive traits. And uh, the season just gone, he scored sixteen goals, created two assists, so eighteen in thirty six matches. I mean, you've already touched upon this slightly. You've already you've already mentioned that Yoselu might not have been brought in to immediately replace Benzema. How do you see his role being? Do you, do you see him as a bench player? Do you see them looking elsewhere for someone else? And yeah, how, how do you feel that move's going to go? I'm not sure. I think obviously with time's going to, time's going to tell if he, if he's the only striker at the club, really, then I, I can't see them playing Rodrigo up front too often. I think Rodrigo and Valverde will be on the rotation on that right-hand side. Um, who do they bring in? That's the thing. Maybe maybe what they've done is prioritised uh, Jude Bellingham because of other clubs sniffing around. And I think they've got uh, Jocely on loan so that next summer they can spend however much money on killing Mbappe and stick him through the middle instead of playing him on the left or go for an Ossiman or a Muwani or any other striker. Carry Kane, if Bayern don't nab him, he's free in the summer or he's free to discuss from January. So do they go for Harry Kane on a free next year? 
And I just don't think that they want to commit to buying a striker after, like I say, spending so much money already in the transfer window. So I can see Jocelyn actually being the player that's going to play up front for them. It's someone that Ancelotti wanted, and I think he's got a lot of the key characteristics that he wants from a number nine, as in he's physical, he puts himself about, he's he's an experienced finisher now. Uh, weirdly enough, he used to play for Newcastle. Um, mm. And he was never that bad. He was okay. He was never great. Had, like You could tell that he used to lack composure at times. Remember, he scored the luckiest goal in the world for us to beat Liverpool. And I think it actually helped us survive that season. So he's forever a Geordie legend. Um, cue us getting Real Madrid in the group stages. But it's clearly a player that Ancelotti wanted. That's not a Real Madrid board signing. Ancelotti's asked for him. And they went, well, it's 500 grand on loan. Why not? It's absolutely fine. I'm surprised... Very surprised Espanyol went for it, to be honest. I don't I, I don't know what's gone on there in terms of them accepting that loan offer because mm. I think it's a bit of a joke, really, but it is what it is. So I think watching how Real Madrid play for that first six weeks is just going to be so vital before we're going to make any kind of decision at all, especially to see how... Hosselu uh, beds in like he might be great he might be yeah. exactly what yeah. the new but he just facilitates all the magic around him 100% and so with that in mind just one more question on um, Yosselu is what do you think UCL Fantasy will price him at because you wouldn't expect a similar price to Benzema would you unless he was in great form I mean where where, would, where do you see him being priced at you'll be 8.5 to 9 million I think it wouldn't be a bad shout, would he? Would it if he if he kind of picked up form before that? Yeah, if he's exactly if he's picking up like Taremi form, you know, like a goal every other game or something like that, and then you know he maybe picks up the odd assist for for eight and a half million. You might you might fancy it to help bolster positions elsewhere. Yeah. Hundred percent. So let's just turn our attention to Jude Bellingham. You've already mentioned it. It's an eighty-eight point five million pound deal. Um, it could rise to one hundred and fifteen million. Six-year contract. He's twenty tomorrow. 20 Happy birthday, on. dude! Happy birthday. I mean, it's crazy that he's twenty and he's that good, isn't it? Yeah, frightening, frightening. Um, he has to. He's. He's just so good. The, he must be the best. He's got to be the best English teenager since Wayne Rooney, surely. He, I think them two are, in my lifetime, the standout two teenagers from England mm. that have just been far too good for their age. <laughs> you just got to hope he stays injury free. And he actually has, in terms of like numbers, in terms of fantasy numbers, a quiet second half of the season for Dortmund. Yeah, I don't know if his head was maybe in the right place. Obviously, played at the World Cup as well. We saw a massive dip in so many players uh, post World Cup. So he might have just had that as well as thinking, I'm probably off here. Teams are going to be after me, um, which is a bit of a shame. But that pre World Cup, he was on fire. Last season, he was on fire. He's very, very, very versatile in terms of he can he can help protect the back four. He can play uh, 
is box to box. He can play in the 10. He can play on the right side of a three and get out wide and support the winger and the fullback. If he does play in the 10, that's been suggested. It's going to be really, really difficult to ignore him as a fantasy option next year. Well, it's interesting you say that, actually. So in terms of numbers, he is up there. Uh, when, com- when compared to all the other Real Madrid midfielders that they have in, in both the Champions League and uh, La Liga, Bellingham actually ranks so second for goals with eight, second for shots on target with 25, uh, first for possession one, first for touching the opposition box, first for take-ons completed. So, I mean, you'd you'd fancy him to be starting the majority of the games, wouldn't you? There's there's a lot of options that you know you've got like a Luka Modric who's just signed a new contract, Valverde. Some rumours that they could sell, but I'm not too sure how how good those uh, sources are. Cruz has signed a new contract, Tuchemani, uh, Kamavinga. Although you know we know Ancelotti likes to utilise him at left back again. Questionable how good he is there. There's a lot of there's a lot of players in this kind of central midfield position which kind of paves the way for what you suggested, the number 10 role. And I have also seen those links as well. So if that's the case, if he is in a, num- in a number 10 role, is he kind of a- an essential in Champions League fantasy if Real Madrid get a good group? Or how do you see, how do you see him in terms of attractiveness? Uh, I don't think it, to, it matters how hard that group is. I think... Uh, he's, no one's essential in the game except for Haaland against Leipzig. Uh, other than that, I, obviously, no, I don't think anyone's essential. But I think he's as close to it as you're likely to get playing in this team, where he's got players that will facilitate him, players that will protect him defensively. He was playing with some not very good players at times in Dortmund, um, often he'd have to drop into a double pivot because the the one-holding midfielder just wasn't good enough at doing their job. Whereas at Real Madrid, that's going to be very, very different. And um, and I think players like Vinicius Jr. that he's going to be passing to are also going to be a step up to what he's had previously. So I think it's going to be... A, it's probably going to... A lot of people have to decide between him and Jamal Musiala and... I just kind of see past picking Jude Bellingham. With the numbers that you're seeing there, he's playing in a better team. He's going to be... They're in pot two Real Madrid, aren't they? So, it depends yeah. on... His, I mean, who's the hardest pot one team that can get? Bayern Munich? Yeah, maybe. Manchester City. Yeah, sorry. Manchester... You know what? You're right. Manchester City. Uh, but even then, Man City... If they played Man City at home... Didn't he score... He scored against Man City last season... So, I'd I'd fancy fancy to score in any game that he's playing in that number ten. Great stuff. So, we move on to the next part, Daniel, and this is a part that you're going to be really interested in, and that is Newcastle. So, congratulations. Um, God knows how Eddie Howe's done it. He's he's just a, an amazing manager, isn't he? Yeah, he's absolutely outstanding. Um, none of us can quite believe it either to be honest it's, it's quite ironic so many commentators and pundits the the really tired narrative is that Newcastle fans expect Champions League football um, and it's just nonsense we weren't expecting it at all I think uh, before the season I was asked oh, what would you be happy with given 
the inf- injection of money that you've had and how you finished the previous season and Eddie Howe. And I, for me, it was always top eight and a really good cup run, whether that be FA Cup or League Cup. Yeah. And we got fourth in the League Cup final, knocked out by Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup, but never mind. But the improvements that he's made to players that were deemed championship quality players has been nothing short of miraculous. And that's got nothing to do with money. Uh, and then obviously we've bought really well in key areas. Yeah, you have. And we're going to kind of touch upon that shortly. But I wanted to get from you, kind of, you're a Newcastle fan. Um, you know, how do you feel about being able to pick Newcastle assets? Is it going to kind of cloud your judgment? Like, you know, where, where, how do you feel that's going to go? Because it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I think I'm going to be under a lot of pressure to be picking Newcastle players, but I'm going to try and stay pretty cold about it all. First of all, it depends on the group um, that that we get. If we've got an impossibly difficult group, that's not, not really going to fancy picking too many Newcastle players. Um, it depends on the home versus away, because I think that it doesn't matter who comes to St. James's Park, I think we're going to give them a game, a really good game anyone away from home. Very, very different. It literally depends on who you get. It's also trying to understand the difference between FPL and UCL fantasy. Kieran Trippier is probably going to be about six million in this game. And it's because of his set piece threat. But ultimately one of the best things about an FPL is all them bonus points you get. If you don't get bonus points in this, you're going to be getting player of the matches. Yeah. So you're probably going to be getting you want you're going to want Bruno or Joe Linton, the two Brazilians in the team, because that's who Mister UEFA is going to pick is the extra three points, guaranteeing yeah, sure. or Isak one of the three. So it's about trying to change the mindset from FPL to Champions League. I like I said, I'm going to I'm going to look at the groups before I make any decisions yeah. to Newcastle and how we start the season as well. Of course, so. I mean, one of the one of the things we're we're going to see from Newcastle now is big money signings, isn't it? Over the next few years, it's very likely lots of money now, and, um, and a great manager as well to pick. You know who he wants to bring in, regardless of, of price, probably as well. So one signing that all that already looks very close to being sealed, unless it has, is Sandro Tonali. He, a couple of the details are that he costs 70 million euros with add-ons. He will sign until 2029 for 7 million pounds per year. It's a record sale for an Italian player. Personally, from what I've watched of Tonale, he's Tonale's got, you know, some he's got some great attributes, like durability, he can maintain a high press, he's cool on the ball, he's got a lot of passion, grit, leadership as well at such a young age. Great passing range. He also ranked third for assists amongst central midfielders um, and he's also considered highly amongst Italians. So one of the biggest questions and, and, and something that's been spoken about a lot within the community from both kind of an FPL, Newcastle perspective, Champions League perspective is where is he going to play in your opinion and how <laughs> is he going to affect you know your squad and the players Oh, the million-dollar question, isn't it? Uh, where he's going to play. So, there's been two sort of thought processes from Newcastle fans. Uh, one thought process is that he's going to basically play as the number six, 
break the play, spread the ball around. That'll allow allow uh, Bruno Guimarães to push forward. Yeah. Um, more than likely taking Sean Longstaff's place on the right side of midfield, and um, then Joe Willock will be in the left side of central midfield with Joe Linton, our left wing winger, basically. Um, and then the other thought process is that in possession we're going to stick with that just three man midfield. So Tonali would be probably on the right of it with Bruno still central, out of possession. They them two would drop into a double pivot. I don't know which way around it'll be, but either way, I think Newcastle's midfield, whatever way they shape up, is going to be Tonali, Bruno and Willock. And Joe Linton won't be playing centre mid, he'll be playing left wing uh, instead of St. Maximan or Isak. That's just our all of our general opinions. Um, for myself in the Newcastle group chat that I'm in. Yeah. And just from what we've seen, either way, I wouldn't expect I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't start the season. When we bought Botman, he didn't play the first three or four games of the season. It was Dan Byrne and Fabian Shaw's the centre-backs. It took Matty Target to play poorly in two games and pick up a niggle that forced Dan Byrne left. Then he put Botman in and then Botman never lost his place. Isak, when he came in, Callum Wilson was our number nine. When they were both injured, both came back. Wilson was number nine. Isak eventually got moved to the left wing. Um, Bruno, when he first joined, it took him about two months to get his first start or something ridiculous. Six weeks. He was getting three, four minutes at a time. And it's all about... I mean, we bought Anthony Gordon for £45 million. Mm. He's made two or three starts. Everything else is off the bench. It's all about being fit enough to play for us. Um, that's not to say Tonali isn't, by the way. Um I have absolutely no idea. I don't watch him in training every day. Uh, but also, Eddie Howe is a player that rewards, is a manager, sorry, that rewards players on merit. And I can't see him dropping Sean Longstaff when he's not done anything wrong just yet. I think it's going to be a case of integrating Tenali. So I, it'll be interesting to see the timing of that integration as to whether he's going to be a suitable fantasy asset at first both in FPL and in UCL fantasy. But it w- honestly would not shock me if he didn't start the first few games until someone got injured or dropped a clanger. So what do you kind of think Newcastle need now? Because obviously the Champions League is it's so demanded, isn't it? Um, you know, with the Premier League as well, Eddie Howe's going to kind of have to maintain, you know, at least try and get around the top four again isn't he as well as yeah try and compete in the Champions League so for you obviously we've heard you know gossip and rumours around um Livramento uh the fullback Southampton yeah. fullback um, he would he was looking at, he's looking at around looking at a price tag around 12 million which is quite cheap uh he's, he's 20 he's 20 years old kind of how do you is, is that just to kind of add the debt for is he is he is, do you think how would actually use him as a, as a starting player? I think it'd be for depth. I can't see him playing ahead of Kieran Trippier at right back, and I've not seen enough of him play at left back. Yeah. Um. So I think he'd be back up to Trippier, but Trippier's not playing all all them games. I mean, I've looked at the fixture list. He's seventy-two now, Trippier, isn't he? Exactly. And that those fixtures look daunting to say the least when you throw in those Champions League games and look 
if anyone's got a chance to look at Newcastle December fixture list, uh, because I think we even play on the wrong side of New Year's for our New Year's game. There are lots of games in there. Kieran Trippier can't play all of those. And our backups are Emil Kraft and uh, Ashby. So you're just thinking, oh my God. So we do need a backup right back. And I think the fact that Livermentos potentially can play both sides yeah. is going to be a big help. I think we need another right-sided centre-back to cover Shaw. He can't play all those games. Gets injured every game. That beautiful face. Uh, <laughs> Left-back is arguably our number one position that we need. 100%. Dan Byrne isn't even a left-back, really. And we've got Matty Target as backup. We need we need a first-choice, absolutely brilliant left-back. And then I think when I think the rumours, obviously, with Dominic uh, Subberslide that we'll want... A right winger. We do need a right winger. Our two right wingers are Miguel Almiron and Jacob Murphy. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when we're playing away at Real Madrid in the Bernabeu, having someone else play there would be beneficial for us. But I suppose <laughs> Isaac could possibly slide across there. Ash thinks that Maxman's a much better right winger than he is a left winger as well. But the manager doesn't seem to think that way. Uh, and who am I to doubt? King Eddie Howe. So yeah, I think those are the positions that we uh, that we need to invest in. I'd actually really like uh, Chiesa. I think Ooh, he's got to be the best right. He's got to be the best right winger on the market at the minute. He wants to leave Juventus. I'm not sure what his wages are like, but I don't think you'd demand a higher transfer fee as uh, Sobosly. Mm. And he is much better than Sobosly, and he's an absolutely amazing player. So. Yeah, love to swap his black and white top for another black and white top. So I think we should move on to the final piece. A lot of this is gossip. Some of it is actually news that could happen. And it's Bayern. Obviously, we saw them last season. I mean, were they? I suppose they were, they were a little bit disappointing at times and maybe they could have performed better against Manchester City. But the latest news is suggesting that they could be going in for Harry Kane. Now, Harry Kane, his contract runs out next year, doesn't it? So a lot of teams, some teams or, you know, someone like Bayern would probably want to go in heavy on him now as to avoid a kind of huge competition for every team competing for his signature in the summer, won't they? Yeah, you'd think so. Uh, Rumours are that Kane has accepted their proposal. Yeah. Um, why wouldn't you? He's probably going to have to force a move which might damage his reputation. But I actually think it's quite strange. I actually think a lot of Tottenham fans want to see him go fulfil his yeah. uh, aspirations to win trophies. I think they're sort of resigned to knowing that they're probably not going to win anything. Um but that's the position that Bayern really badly need to fill. The, I think they probably need to look at a couple of defenders as well, especially if look at Hernandez. Sorry if I'm spoiling anything. Might be going to PSG or um, if Pavard yeah. does end up leaving. I think that's an area that they're probably going to have to strengthen. But the most glaring omission from last year was someone putting the ball in the back of the net after really dominant, dominant displays. There's um, Robert Lewandowski has been a big loss, hasn't he? Yeah, since leaving Barcelona's game, Barcelona's game. But obviously, it was Lewandowski wanted to leave, so yeah. it's not like we can sort of blame Bayern to a degree. It'll be interesting if they do end up paying 100 million for him for Harry Kane 
this year just with his age but I th- it's not to be disrespectful to the Bundesliga I actually really like watching it it's um it's a far less demanding league than the Premier League I think Harry Kane could probably play until he's 35 36 at the top level in that league be rested every week before the Champions League and still do well another I mean another factor is 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 that moving to Bayern you you it would it pretty much guarantees your trophies doesn't it 100% they don't have that much competition and I know that people can say well it came down to the 89th minute of the season before Dortmund lost it but Dortmund had about four opportunities to actually win the thing throughout the season and every time they dropped the ball against a weakened Bayern Munich without an actual strike like they had triple moting up front if they, if as soon as they strengthen again the league's done with uh, Leipzig, I can't really see putting up too much of a fight either. They're all over the place with their formations and defensively, and they're bringing in some new players. They might be losing Sobosly, so does that weaken them? I think they've lost a couple of defenders already in the transfer market. So he's he's won, he's already won the Bundesliga if he signs. He's got a chance maybe at the cup competitions. I know that Bayern definitely heavily rotate more often than not in there in the Pokal. But then they've got a massive chance of winning the Champions League with Harry mm. Kane in front. A massive chance. And, and he's what... actually he's actually playing in the Champions League as well, more importantly, isn't he? Because at Tottenham, let's be honest, it could be years until Tottenham qualify for the Champions League again. I don't disagree with that at all. Um at all. I think they're gonna find it unbelievably difficult to play Champions League for a very, very long time. Um it actually reminds me a little bit of Newcastle back in like the late nineties, early noughties. I think we finished second twice. We've had a couple of mid tablers and then we finished fourth, third, and fifth. That's sort of what some of us grew up with uh, had gotten used to. And then the other teams, like one of them being Tottenham, just progressed and progressed and progressed. And I think when you see the progression of other teams in the league in some of the money being thrown about by some of the bigger teams, uh, like Arsenal and, and Man City and Man United and Liverpool. If they lose Harry Kane, they've got no chance. I'd actually back them to finish 10th or 11th without him. But mm. even with them, I think they're going to struggle so much to get the Champions League again. And I think that's obviously what Daniel Levy's thinking about. If they lose Harry Kane, they've got no chance what is the Champions League worth to Tottenham? It's a lot. Yeah. So that is, um, he's obviously waiting for a transfer fee that matches the valuation of being in the Champions League. Yeah. And of, of course, if Kane does sign for Bayern, and you know, there, again, we've already, you've already mentioned that he has uh, agreed personal terms. He's, he's playing for Bayern. He's going to be in Champions League fantasy. Is he going to be an easy option? Uh, for Champions League managers if he does make the move because you'd expect him to be on penalties as well, wouldn't you? If he plays for Bayern Munich in the Champions League next season, he's the first name in my team. Before Haaland, before Bellingham, before anyone else. He's the first team. The first name. Because Bayern, they they score a lot of goals, don't they, Bayern as well? They score a ton of goals. They they provide a ton of chances. um, And the win a ton of penalties. It's just a total no-brainer. Yeah. 
So we'll to keep an eye on definitely there. Another piece of news is that uh, Bayern are also close to seeing a deal for Kim Min Jae. You're quite a huge fan of Kim Min Jae, aren't you? And he's he's been he was excellent last season. What are your views on him in general? Yeah, he was. Um, if I was to make a team of the world from last year, a team of Europe, he'd be my centre back. I thought for just for last season's performance. Obviously, winning the league with Napoli. He, I don't know if it's fair to say he, say he came out of nowhere, but he definitely had a step up even in his own mm. performances. And it's uh, it's interesting to see. Obviously, the manager of Napoli leaving now. He's leaving. Who else might leave? So, I feel I feel for the city of Naples because they're having all their prize assets being plucked away. But if they if that is the defensive signing that they make and they sign Harry Kane, I'd, they have to be favourites to win the whole thing next year. Thank you, um, Daniel, for joining me again. And we're going to be look, looking to do more of these transfers and gossip podcasts as we progress through the transfer window. So thanks for listening. And again, Daniel, thank you for joining. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.